Bobby Rempke from Cleveland, Ohio, and you're listening to Barbecue Central. Let's go! We'll do it live. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike your match, and... Oh. Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Central Show. This is the show that talks about all things that are important to the world of barbecue and grilling. This show originating from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city, Bomb City, USA, Cleveland, Ohio, the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I'm your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evenings, a live fire fun and frivolity show. If you would like to get in contact with the show this evening or you would like to follow the show during off show hours, here's how you do all that. You can get in touch with the show by sending an email to Greg at the BBQ Central Follow us on all the social media channels at BBQ Central Show. And be sure to subscribe to the show podcast feed on your favorite podcast platform. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening in case you get the newsletter. Coming up in about 12 minutes from now, first time guest, one of the four co-owners of a burger restaurant, one of three actually, out there in jolly old England. First timer to the show, Anthony Murphy from The Beefy Boys. And we thank John Finch for introducing and lining it up. So looking forward to chatting about burger success with somebody in England who has had raging success both on the commercial side and competitions. So looking forward to getting to know and meet Anthony or Murph as they call him here in just a few short minutes. 35 past the first hour. They've been on the show a couple times before. They are in their new moniker, their new handle, their new life as live fire influencers, John and John McLemore, the McLemore boys joining us in the second interview slot here in the first hour. Now, the last time we talked to these guys, they were fresh off of selling Masterbuilt and Kamado Joe to Middleby. We talked about what that was like. We talked about what you might be doing in life. After John Sr. had a mega payday, as you would look at it from raw numbers, John, or J2 as we call him, was still going to have to be doing a lot of work, young guy. So we'll see what they have been able to drum up. It was about two years ago since they were on the show last time. It was towards the middle end of March in 2022. So we'll talk to them about what they have going on, and then we'll move to the second hour. It is the fourth Tuesday of a month, and in the second hour, it can only mean one thing. The Embedded Correspondence, yes. We have a huge 100% Assurity questions list to get through, and then if we have time, Doug Scheiding was in Houston this past weekend competing in the Houston Livestock and Rodeo. So he can give us a brief update slash recap as far as that whole event if we have time for it. So look for that. And we have some other things to get to as well. If the surety questions don't run the gamut, I have a thought that they might. But just in case they don't, we have some other things to do to round out that second hour. So that's how it's setting up here this evening. Anthony Murphy and John and John McLemore, first hour, embedded correspondent, second hour. We say good eat. Wait, don't forget you can follow me socially, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Snapchat, at BBQ Central Show. And we say good evening to all of you watching tonight, either through Facebook.com slash BBQ Central Show 
or twitter.com slash BBQ Central Show or on YouTube, which is youtube.com slash at BBQ Central Show. We do have a YouTube poll question of the week, which some of you have already voted in. Like, read the question. Don't you think there has to be some kind of a visual to this? (laughs) Nevertheless, two of you are already in. Maybe the rest of you are waiting to see this. And I'm asking everybody, including all guests this evening, this question. The guy in this picture could beat me up in three seconds, seven seconds, or ten seconds. And currently, 50% of you are saying three seconds. And 50% of you are saying ten seconds. The guy in said picture just happens to be dating my oldest daughter, Bobby. That's Quentin Posey, Division Two defensive back, all-star, I say all-American, although the accolades don't say that, but who cares what the sports writers think? I know talent when I see it. He's very big for a defensive back, but also shockingly quick, like defensive back quick, as luck would have it. But this is a big guy. I think in the Division Three school, he could be starting middle linebacker or defensive end, edge rusher. But that's the question here this evening that we're asking everybody tonight. The guy in this picture could beat me up in three seconds, seven seconds, or ten seconds. And unfortunately, it's not going my way very well. Now, 75% of you are saying three seconds. I'm... A cagey vet. I'm wiry. By the way, results from last week's poll. Here's a new little portion of the show. If you were on the fence about Smoke Slam, you are now 100% down after the interview. Now, two weeks ago, the end of the poll results, 56% of you said yes, 43% of you said no. And we're going to start here this evening. Initially, I was going to talk about the question that came in through the course of the week asking, where did the microphone go? You sound great as always. You had a big honking piece of microphone in front of you for the last 15 years, and now it's gone. Where did it go? Many people interested to know where this microphone is. I'll cover that next week, maybe, unless there's something even more hot than wanting to know about that because I have a camera that's going to be coming in, show you all the behind the scenes so you can see where the camera is. But there is something else that we need to cover in the open because it is breaking news. A Barbecue Central Show exclusive news update. Greg Reifer reporting for the Breaking News Desk here in Cleveland, Ohio, the city that makes the most live fire breaking news across the country. Nay, the globe. In 2023, we did a Barbecue Central show podgumentary. We followed our pal Joe Martinez through the calendar year to talk to him about getting into the food truck business. And then what those first 12 months were like, to his credit, Joe, very open, very honest in answering the questions that I had ready for him each quarter. So it was a bit shocking for me to see today around 3 p.m. Eastern that he had posted a YouTube video announcing that he had closed the food truck. Get that big stuff out of here. Within the moments of the video that Joe posted, he answers many of the high-level what-happened questions and how he has arrived at the decision to close. Remember, this is the same guy who in December of 2023 told me in no uncertain terms that he guaranteed that he would have a brick-and-mortar restaurant in 2023. Sorry, 2024. I don't believe that statement and that declaration is going to age very well, Joe. However, I am working on lining Joe up for a follow-up interview so we can really dig into what happened. But again, lots of good info on the YouTube channel as to why he decided to close it down. I'm sure for many of you, this seems especially shocking because he was getting accolades from the highest places and people. 
all within the first year and a half or so of being in business. Accolades other barbecue restaurants would only dream about getting. He was getting them. So to see it close, a bit more shocking. By the way, this should also speak to the accomplishments of our pal and Utah Embedded correspondent, Rusty Monson, and what he's pulling off on the daily out there in Utah, uh, out in Utah with his barbecue trailer business. He's in two years or so by now and by all accounts thriving. So if you think it's easy, these two guys will be the first to tell you it's not easy. There's a ton of hard work that goes into doing this every day to make it a success. But you also need to be business savvy when it comes to operating a successful barbecue operation. Being a great cook, that's the easy part. Managing the business, the food costs, the labor, all the non-sexy stuff that you don't have a handle on, that's not good. You need to have a handle on that, perhaps even more than you being a great barbecue cook. If you don't have a handle on the non-sexy stuff, you might as well call your business Titanic Barbecue because it's doomed. So look, we all feel bad for Joe on the show. We look forward to talking with him in the next month or so. I don't see him in the chat, which is shocking. Usually he's making declarations and show intros, as he does. So we'll see how it shakes out. By the way, I'm gaining a little steam. 22% of you now think I could last at least 10 seconds with Quentin Post. Gang, are you tired of settling for mediocre grilling experiences? It's time to step up your game and bring the ultimate flavor and cooker to the backyard barbecues. Pits and Spits Charcoal offers the highest quality live fire cooking experience that you can get in the market today. Using either wood or charcoal, their solid fuel grills produce those classic flavors you're looking for when you have the time to fire up the grill and cook for family and friends. With a large adjustable fuel tray, you can raise and lower the fire to control and fine tune the heat. Their take on that very popular Santa Maria style grill. You can check them out at this custom website, pitsandspits.com slash BBQ Central. That's pitsandspits.com slash BBQ Central. And as you're spelling out pits and spits, you know what it is. Promo code at checkout to save you 150 bucks off any charcoal grill is Charcoal Central. Charcoal Central. All one word, Charcoal Central. Pitsandspits.com slash BBQ Central. Shop the charcoal grills. Put it in the cart before you pay. In the promo code area, Charcoal Central will save you $150 off any charcoal grill. Ryan Zaboro and the gang over there at Pits and Spits. All right, we're back to talk beefy boys. And that's just not a term of endearment. Stick around, be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Show studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all your pellet-driven cookers. Peruse their website to see what they offer product-wise. And then, once you're ready to buy... Go to Lowe's.com or Walmart.com or the fledgling website Amazon.com. Purchase from there. Same great product selection. Even better shipping rates, if you can believe it. The great folks over at CookinPellace.com. We love burgers here in the States. Undeniable. But we aren't the only ones who love them. They are revered around most of the globe, especially when they're done correctly. My next guest Doing just that in the three locations scattered throughout England. Thick patties, smashed patties, patties that are fried in mustard, just to name a few. And they are winning awards on top of it all. Here to talk about the rise to burger stardom and where they look to go in the future is first timer to the show. And one of the founders of the Beefy Boys, Anthony Murphy, joins me on the show. 
Murph, appreciate you joining me here. And look, for the folks that don't do math or know where England is, <laughs> Murph is roughly five hours ahead of me. So is it like one o'clock or two o'clock there in the morning right now, Murph? Uh, it's currently 2 a.m. Wow. In, uh, Look at you. UK, this yeah. is a man's man. Uh, who's the Who's the other pit master? Uh, swine. Oh, our, our, our competitive pit master did really well at the American Royal. Oh, bunch, bunch of swines. Bunch of swine. The only other guy who has had the nerve, dare I say, the testicular fortitude to stay up <laughs> really early in the morning to do a live hit. So I certainly appreciate it. A lot of folks in the instant chat wishing you a good morning there, Murph. So we certainly appreciate it. Before oh, we get going here, we have a YouTube poll question of the week. And we're asking everybody, including all guests, this question. The guy that you see in this picture could beat my ass in three seconds or seven seconds or ten seconds. What say you? Ah. Uh. I'm going to go for seven. Seven. I seven. I think you do. Yeah. You could hold out for a bit. I I'll think. take yeah. seven seconds. I said in the open, uh, I'm six foot one. I know I'm approaching 50 very quickly, but I'm what you call wiry, everybody. So yeah, yeah. might be able to you avoid. Yes, right. But he's a, a collegiate football player. So once he got his mitts on me, my life is pretty much over in a short order. But nevertheless, uh, Snap you like a twig, wouldn't he? Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, very big, very muscular, obviously. So I want to thank John Finch for making this interview happen and having him uh, put you on my radar. So without the intro, I'm probably still on the dark with Beefy Boys. How do you describe a guy like John Finch, and what does he mean to you? Uh, well, John's. Uh, I, I wouldn't be sat here today um, if it wasn't for um, for John Finch and uh, and Ben Merrington. So the absolute sort of legends uh, in the sort of UK barbecue scene. Um, I'd say they're completely responsible. I think for for bringing so many people uh, in, into into this world. So yeah, John, John's been a huge uh, sort of influence. I mean, um, I guess for those people who don't know, he started a thing in the UK called called Grill Stock, which really, really sort of brought. Um, yeah, brought barbecue sort of to the to the forefront. It was the first time that we'd ever heard about competitive cooking. Mm. Um, it was the first time we'd seen somebody bringing all that sort of uh, American barbecue culture to to this country. Um, so yeah, I mean the impact that those guys had on uh, on the UK food scene as a whole. Just yeah, it's, it's, it's prior to this success that you're seeing in hamburger stardom. What's the background in live fire for you before you got into the burger biz? Um, yeah, so we kind of sort of came into barbecue and everything bit by accident. I mean, none of us were chefs, none of us were sort of trained or, or anything. Basically, go back about sort of 11, 12, 12 years now, and a friend of mine, a school friend uh, called Danny, he called me up and said, look, I'm having a barbecue for for my friends and family, and um, I'd like to do something a bit special. He knew I was into, into cooking and sort of eating and that. And at the time, we'd been watching lots of um, – Man versus food, mm. diners, drive-ins and dives. They've been sort of like, we hadn't seen much of that stuff in, in the UK. You know, I think it, it was around. People were doing it on a very sort of small level, but there hadn't been much exposure to that sort of world. And so we saw these things sort of cropping up on TV. And so I said, look, if we're going to do a barbecue, let's, let's do a barbecue like, you know, like that. Because at the time, British barbecue was kind of awful, really. It's not really a culture that, you know, Britain's sort of been great at because you don't get much barbecue weather, obviously, in the UK. So, I mean, outdoor cooking wasn't really something that, you know, it, it, it was something that people did, but it didn't have the huge sort of, you know, presence in the UK like it did in America. So we did a load of research, you know, we jumped online, found websites at the time, like amazingribs.com. I mean, that was a massive influence on us <laughs> um, when we first started. It was one of the first resources that we found. And, you know, all that meathead sort of stuff. Do you know what I mean? The guy was sort of uh, incredible. Do you know what I mean? And all of the, the science that he went into it with, you know, sort of ribs and everything. So we found that sort of whole world, researched into it, did a barbecue for our friends and family. And they were sort of like, you know, guys, this food's amazing. This is some of the best stuff we've ever had. And you should do something with it. So started doing uh, little sort of pop-ups in pubs and things. Do you know what I mean? We'd speak to a pub landlord and jump into his sort of like pub on like a Tuesday night and we'd start doing ribs and start doing, you know, like burgers and sort of things like that. And um, it was just a sort of hobby 
that, that we would do, you know, and we'd maybe sell three or four burgers and earn sort of five, you know, five quid each sort of profit. And it'd just be a way of kind of hanging around. Because for me, a big part of barbecue isn't just the food. It's the, you know, getting to sit there with your friends and spend time making something great. Um, so that's what we got into, first of all, really. And then uh, we, a friend of ours called Christian, he said, look, guys, I've heard about this competition in uh, Bristol called Grillstock, where you had about 10,000 people go into it. And it was like you had food vendors there. We had uh, Jamie Oliver, I think, was there. Um, at some of the original ones with his sort of like truck. And a guy called Levi Roots is quite big in British telly with his jerk chicken and sort of stuff. Um, and he had this King of the Grill competition where you could enter, you know, your best uh, brisket, your best ribs, best pulled pork, that sort of thing. Um, and we kind of, uh, we thought, now, nah, you know, if we're going to do this sort of thing, we need to learn a bit more about barbecue over a few years. You know, it's something you need to be I mean, be quite good at. But um, so I said to Dan, you know, let, let's not enter it. Let's wait a couple of years and enter something like that. But he had a bottle of wine and just entered us straight into the competition. So within a few months of us, you know, discovering this, this world we were competing and uh in the first uh, competition we entered i think we came seventh out of out of 20 competitors and so we kind of thought oh there's a bit of you know there's something here but perhaps we're not you know terrible at this um and then we entered the one year and they had a best burger round and um and we won that and um and we didn't just win it. I think we smashed all the other competitors uh, at the time. And it was one of those things where everybody was sending up, you know, mad burgers. We had people sending up burgers with like a lobster on it or people sending up, you know, burgers this sort of big. But we just sort of stuck to our guns and sent up just a classic cheeseburger, you know, nothing, no, no frills. Yep. We just wanted to make something that was, um, yeah, just re- really just a good, honest sort of cheeseburger um so because we're from hereford which is like the home of sort of herefordshire beef and that so we were surrounded by amazing beef reindeer so we sent this cheeseburger up man yeah we won that and we got entered into the world burger championships in las vegas and we flew over there expecting to come second uh expecting to come last sorry and uh sort of fly home but somehow we came sort of second in the world <laughs> and um and for, since that point, the whole sort of thing sort of snowballed. And, um, yeah, it's, it's grown from like a little sort of pop-up into sort of a business that we have sort of today. What was the biggest pop-up that you ever hosted prior to getting into the brick and mortars, which we'll talk about here in a second. But as you are coming back from Vegas, you've won Bristol, you've come in second in World Food Championships. Big deals, by the way. Yeah. You want to do pop-ups, and that's the easiest way to see what the temperature of a potential consumer base is going to be like. What's the biggest one you're facing? Yeah, well, before we went, you know, it would always be sort of 10, 15, 20 of our mates would sort of turn up. When we came back from the World Burger Championships, because obviously like when we were there, we were getting this huge support on sort of social media and things were sort of snowboarding. I remember when we put the post up, we've you know, come second in the world at the World Burger Championships. I think within a few hours, we'd had like, you know, a thousand likes and sort of shares and all this. So, so when we got back, I remember we did our first pop-up and um, – we were set up in a little pub in Hereford. We've got a tiny little sort of uh, barbecue with a hot plate on it to do sort of, our, you know, our burgers. And we kind of look up and sort of five to 12, we see there's a queue of 200 people just like out of nowhere. Just end up in that first day, I remember it was a two hour wait for a burger because literally we were cooking, you know, cooking patties and a bit of bacon and sort of one bun at a time. So we had people waiting there yeah, two, three hours. Um, and then each week it would snowball. So then the next pop-up we do, there'd be 300 people, next to would be 400. And um, it ended up every Thursday in Hereford in this one pub, we were having 600 people turn up for a burger. And uh, there was literally a queue about a mile down the road uh, of people. It was at that point that we kind of said, right, we've got to think about quitting our jobs. You know, there's there's something here, you know, more than just a, more than just a hobby now. Are they the best burgers currently available in all of the UK? I mean, to get 600 people waiting, and this is hours of, in line, right? This is like going to Franklin's Barbecue or some of the, the big restaurants out there in Texas that everybody hears about. I, I couldn't, I can't begin to fathom waiting in line for barbecue for three or four hours. <laughs> no offense, but I couldn't imagine waiting in line for two hours or three hours for a hamburger. Yeah, I mean, well, well, now nowadays in Britain, I mean, the hamburger game is like massively stepped up. I mean, when you go back to when we started about sort of, oh, sort of 11, 12 years ago now, um, 
you just you couldn't really get a decent hamburger, you know. And it's but mad how much you guys didn't invent the burger. Burgers had been around for <laughs> nine hundred years. You just found a way to make like the most delicious burger that people had tasted until then, I guess. Yeah, well, I always say with cheeseburgers, you know, it, it, to me they're like Italian food. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's simple food. There, there's there's not nowhere to hide, and so and at the time, you know, we had so many awful burgers in this country that you know were these like sort of you know, tough little hockey pucks of like, you know, overdone sort of meat, overworked, you know, the seasons through the patty, so it started curing and going horrible, you know, thick slabs of sort of cheddar on top, just rubbish, rubbish burgers. And we weren't doing anything different. You know, we're not. We're just taking, you know, those sort of original techniques that people would use to cook burgers from, you know, the sort of 40s, 50s, 60s, and, you know, just treating it properly and doing it well with, you know, fresh ingredients, locally sourced, grass-fed, beef, do you know what I mean? It literally comes from down the road uh, <laughs> here. So I, that's all we were doing. But it really resonated with people. So I think there was an authenticity to it. Do you know what I mean? They were coming down and they were seeing, you know, seeing these guys with a big bag of meat, literally, you know, handballing it, poof, smash it onto a hot plate. Do you know what I mean? And and I think because it was, that's the great thing about pop-ups, you know, you get that customer interaction. <laughs> and um, a big thing for us, yeah, so we cook all of our burgers on, um, you know, sort of on a hot plate sort of plancher. And uh, last thing we do is that once we sort of flip them, you know, we, we developed a crust on a burger, we flipped it, we put the cheese on, we put the bun lid on top, squirt it with some water, and we put a cloche down on it, you know, so it sort of steams the whole the whole thing in the end. And there's an element of sort of theatrics to that as well. So I think it was the story, do you know what I mean? That, oh, there's these guys from, from the UK who've, who've gone over to America, won this big competition because, you know, when we think of America, I mean, uh, the, the the sort of hamburger is one of the first sort of food things that, that sort of come to mind. So I think we sort of just captured a bit of imagination over here as well. Um, and, and when people tasted it, it was good. So they were coming back. So that's the most important thing. I think, you know, you see a lot of these pop-ups these days that are a lot of hype. <laughs> and then you go and you have it. And, 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 and you know, it's like, you know, meh. Do you know what I mean? So I think the most important thing is like when you get that hype, are you converting those 600 people to come back again? Do you know what I mean? And if you are, then that's when you know you've got something, you've got a business here. Do you know what I mean? So you've decided between, it's you and three other guys that are owners and beef with. So you decide, mm -hmm. well, we're going to get into real business here. We're going to open a location. You open your first one. And then I assume that's a pretty big success right off the bat, or at least good enough for you to consider even a, an additional location after the first one yeah yeah i mean that was the benefit of doing the pop-up thing do you know what i mean because that's and it's a great way you know to, like you said i think you said earlier to sort of test the water of is, is this a viable business so we kind of did the pop-up thing for about sort of 12 months and really built up a following so that when we opened the bricks and mortar restaurant from the there was a queue out the door because people sort of knew you know who we were and we were sort of fully booked so we did that we opened the first restaurant in uh it was december 2015 um and it was chaos, utter, utter chaos. Do you know what I mean? Because the, we'd never done anything like this before. And um, we had this sort of strange belief that we could, between the four of us, because it's a seven-day operation. We don't we don't shut. We're open seven days a week. And we had this belief between the four of us that we could work from, you know, yeah, eight in the morning till midnight, seven days a week. And um, we got about two months in and we all started having breakdowns. And <laughs> we were all like, you know, we need to, we need to stop. We need to... Um, yeah, we need to sort of recoup. So we stopped. We uh, hired a load more people. We tried to work out how do we do this? Mm. How do we, how do we make this sustainable? Um, luckily, one of our what? So Lee, one of the beefy boys, his wife uh, Kate, sort of grew up in the hospitality industry. She was born in a her parents had a hotel. She grew up in it, so she's you know knows front of house, but you know like the back of her hand. So it's great because she could focus on that, and the four of us had to then just work out how do we run this kitchen, how do we run the business? Do you know what I mean? And so, yeah, the first few years were sort of chaos, but we were always busy, so that was good. Do you know what I mean? So I think, and and the food, you know, was was always good. Um, so it wasn't until it wasn't until the pandemic actually that we started to to expand. And um, obviously, the pandemic was a crazy time for for hospitality and everything. But we had loads of opportunities open up in the UK because we had um, in our restaurant in Hereford started off as eighty covers, and there was a big. Uh, like international chain sort of next to it it's a Frankie and Benny's and uh as soon as the pandemic sort of kicked off they were like yeah we're going you know we're <laughs> out of here sort of thing so gave us an opportunity that when we started opening back up you know restaurants had to have so 
social distancing and that we were only a little 80 cover restaurant it meant you know we're sitting people two meters apart we could get like 20 people in there so we spoke to the landlord and said look you know this these numbers aren't going to work we're just going to go under you got an empty restaurant next door can we knock a hole in the wall and sit people in there till this pandemic's over so we knocked a big hole in the wall and started using frankie and benny's to sit you know to sit people in and uh, when we came, started coming out of the pandemic, we started to realize, oh my God, we can fill it. So our Hereford restaurant went from 80 covers to what it is now, which is 200. I mean, it's an absolute wow. monster. Yeah. And um, then there was loads of restaurants in, uh, sorry, my cat's coming, just touching the microphone there, guy. Um, and then there was loads of other restaurants in nearby, one in Shrewsbury specifically, that sort of other sort of operators were pulling out of. And we were able to make sort of crazy offers on places because landlords, you know, thought it was the end of the world. Yeah. It was a zombie apocalypse, you know, that was going to be the end of it. So we kind of went in saying, oh, well, you know, we'll, we'll take this one on, we'll take that one on. So when we came out of the pandemic, we had, a, you know, a, we doubled the size of our original restaurant, taking on a new one in Shrewsbury. And then uh, and then last year we opened a third one in, in sort of Cheltenham, which is a lovely sort of... Um, city in the in the Cotswolds in the UK so yeah we're gradually gradually sort of growing it bit by bit got a couple minutes left here I want to ask you about you have from one to three restaurants all doing very well right now and I assume that this success helps culminate in a cookbook that you guys are currently working on set to come out in August how does that deal come about yeah, that's amazing. Well, we've been lucky enough to do a fair bit on sort of UK TV recently. So we've been on like the BBC. There was a TV show on, on there that we were on. And sort of off the back of that, yeah, we got offered to write a burger cookbook. Yeah, it's going to be coming out in the States as well as the UK. It covers, you know, our story. Um, it's called From Backyard Barbecues to World Class Burgers. So, yeah, it's a, we've wanted to make it the burger book, the only ever burger book you'll need. So we cover everything there from, you know, smash patties, Oklahoma's, uh, you know, thick patties, history of a burger. There's loads and loads and loads of sort of burger recipes in there a bit of barbecue recipes in there as well because that's where we started so there's a bit sort of low and slow cookery in there but it's also a guide for people to how you can go from you know a, a hobby to a pop-up to bricks and mortar you know to, to a restaurant so it's probably a lot of what not to do because i think a lot of what we did was we learned by you know getting it wrong the first time um so yeah so i, I think it's and it's got we've got amazing illustrations um uh because we've got an illustrator called russell Taysom does lots of drawings for us and that and um yeah it's a really great book i'm really really pleased with it and um yeah so it should be out in the states in like august all right so we'll look for that in august if you're going to be over in the uk you're looking for the best burgers around then look for the beefy boys the website thebeefyboys.com you can find their locations there and then travel out try a burger report back to me i want to know because at some point i'm going to get over there of course probably not but i might you never know and then we can try the burgers there face-to-face. -face. Murph, really appreciate you coming on tonight, telling us the story. Continued success, my friend. Love to have you back on again soon. Oh, thanks for having me on. It's been a pleasure. You got it. There he is, Murph. Now at 2.32 in the morning, pulling a live hit, which is incredible. Tell you, all the times that I've had live guests on from England, now numbering two, They've all been live. That's that's real man shit right there. I even thought about asking if he wanted to pre-record. He's like, no way. I want to go live. We're going to do it live. We'll do it live. All right. We'll do it live. And we did it. Another home run. We continue to wish Murph success on the burger restaurant. The McLemore boys are in the green room ready to come on here in just a moment. Before we do that, I will tell you about Primo Grills. What do we love about ceramic cookers? We love that they're fuel efficient. We love that you can achieve low and slow temperatures for traditional barbecue meat. We love that you can get rip-roaring hot for the high temperature of grilling steaks and other thin cuts. But what's missing in the everyday ceramic lineup? The real ability to do true two-zone cooking. Two-zone cooking is very important to both professional and backyard cooks alike. It's the best way to manage a fire and cook with confidence. However, getting a two-zone fire in a round ceramic cooker isn't very realistic. Why? Because it's round. Enter Primo Grill in the game-changing oval design. That's right. This shape gives you the ability to execute that two-zone setup that you desire. It also gives you the other ceramic grill benefits as well. When you think about it, you can configure the Primo 60 different ways, six zero different ways. 
all the accessories that you want and that you need, including the Primo Grill rotisserie, the Primo Grill pizza accessory, many more. The baskets, yes. Here's the bottom line. Best ceramics in the biz, yes. Petna technology and true two-zone cooking capabilities with multiple sizes of ovals, yes. Only sold through dealers. So... Go to primogrill.com, find the dealer near you, visit the dealer in person, touch and feel all the ceramic sizes, and then get the one that's best for you. Of course, I recommend the XL because nobody has ever complained about getting one that's too big. They have complained about buying under. You don't want to have any remorse. Primogrill.com, and we are back with the Macklemore Boys right after this. Stick around, be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. And we thank Anthony Murphy for joining us last segment, thebeefyboys.com. The website, this portion of the show brought to you by Fireboard. You can monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. You can connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring or Bluetooth if you want. Smart speaker, accessible, all questions and purchases, fireboard.com or call 816-945-2232. My next guests were on the show back in March of 2022, if you can believe it, and they were fresh off an acquisition to Middleby at that time and looking to see what they might be doing in their life professionally going forward. If you follow them, they seem to have really found a groove so we are happy to welcome back our pals John and John McLemore, the McLemore boys. There they are, sexy as ever. J2 has either pulled hair back or gotten an incredible haircut. What do we have? I uh, he he pulled goes. his hair back. <laughs> son of a gun. All right. Look, before we get yeah. going here tonight, I know John's got the hair. T- look, look what I don't have. All right. So we've made sure we point that out. I have so. no hair. Best hair and barbecue. Uh, no doubt. Uh, very, uh, who's the, is that Zeus with the hair? Is that his strength? Zeus? I don't yeah. know. Some yeah. Roman god that had the hair that gave him all his power. So uh, before we get going here tonight, guys, uh, we have a YouTube poll question of the week that we're asking everybody, including all guests. So yep. I will ask you both to answer independently. Uh, the guy in this picture could beat my ass in three seconds, seven seconds, or ten seconds. J two, what do you say? Uh, I I would I, I got to give it to him. I'll say three seconds. Three I seconds. wrestled in high school. People don't realize how how long ten seconds is or seven seconds is. It's yeah. a long time. Uh, John, a three seven or ten seconds. seconds. I'm gonna say ten. I'm gonna let the um, the older man. Uh, say that it's going to take a little longer to take you down. That's, That's right. I think little uh, little street sense, some wiry. You know, this guy's a, a Division oh. two defensive back in uh, football, so he's an elite physical talent. But I got here in the steel trap. He might be able to outsmart. He can't. It's yeah. wisdom. It's he, wisdom. He can't pull your hair. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, with the hair. Yeah. Uh, last time you guys were on, as I'd mentioned in the open, we were talking about uh, the Middleby acquisition of Masterbuilt, and we're coming up on two years uh, since we actually talked about that, a little more since it actually transpired. John, as you look back, regrets with that decision at all or 100% happy? Um, I would say no regrets. I get asked that question a lot. Would I do it again? The answer is Yes. Would I do a few things different? The answer is yes. And my advice for anybody out there, and we talked to a lot of folks that are in barbecue and a lot of guys that are in the season uh, barbecue sauce business are thinking about maybe getting their you know business to a point to where they would sell. And I would just say, make sure you know exactly what you at the end of the day. 
Um, <laughs> and, and I have never complained because I knew what I was signing up for. And, um, you know, when Dominus bought us, uh, I still have great relationships with those guys. Uh, still see them uh, several times a year as a private equity group out of New York and um, consider them friends. And the uh, Middleby folks, you know, gave Masterbuilt a great opportunity to continue to expand. COVID and, and changed Kamado, a Kamado lot. Joe as well. Too. Yep, yep. yep, with Kamado Joe and Chargriller. So, right. um, you know, I, I am glad that we did it. Uh, it. It was very different for our family, Greg, and uh, different for John. Obviously, uh, he had ambitions of being uh, the leader of that company at some point. And looking back on it, he's like, what was I yeah. thinking? Uh-huh. <laughs> what's, what's, what's so interesting is you grow up in a family business and – you know, there were six, uh, a third generation uh, family members. There was uh, me and my two sisters on the on my dad's side, and then my uncle Don had three sons. And um, you know that that's where family businesses can get tricky mm-hmm. is when you're going into the next generation and you get others involved, and everybody's got different jobs and who owns what, and it can get tricky. And that's why things split up. We, we were fortunate that I was the only third generation to get involved uh, from a working capacity. Um, everybody else just went on their own you know, journey, and, and that's totally fine. And for the longest time, that's all I wanted was to be the CEO, to run the company and the family. Just, I mean, it was such a, an amazing journey. And I would say the wiser and older I got and the more I actually learned about really where my core strengths and passions are, um, I don't know if that was sitting in a boardroom every day. Yeah, and it actually was cooking and and doing a lot of what we actually do now. So you know, there was a period of time where you're like, man, kind of sucks, and you know that dream of mine is maybe squandered a little bit. Um, you know, but you know, God God works in mysterious ways, and I think it it afforded not only our family but the company. Uh, to be secured in a lot of ways. I mean, dad spent 36 years grinding it out. um, And I worked for the business for the better part of 14 plus uh, to build something. And and you want to reap the the benefits and rewards of that someday. And, and it afforded a lot of others opportunities too to grow in the company. Yeah. John J2, when you were in this mindset of being the next John McLemore in charge, was it because if you look back at it, kind of take yourself out of it and look into it now as a, as a Dr. Phil kind of thing, was it because your dad was that guy and you want to make your dad happy and it makes sense that you would take over someday? Or did you really feel like, I, A, I'm business passionate and I think I can help bring Masterbuilt to the next level, introduce revolutionary products, and it's not just backfilling because it's a name, it's because that's what you wanted to do before you figured it out that you didn't want to do it. I, I think it probably uh, ebbed and flowed a little bit. There were probably seasons and elements of various things like that. Um, ultimately, what I saw, and, and again, I got to see a lot of the behind the scenes. My office was my office was right outside his office for about eight of those years. Um, I saw a lot of the closed door stuff. I saw the life-changing moments that he was able to help others. Uh, The hiring of certain people and growing people in the business, the family environment that we had in the business. I I was consumed for a long time with being a part of that. And I think just naturally, that's the conversation that happens is you're the third generation, you have the same name, you're a junior, you're going to take on that role. Uh, and for several years, I was being groomed to do that. Um, and, and just as we all learned and the company grew, it was very different at, I don't know what, when I was 23, 4, 5, than when dad was 23, 4, 5. Yeah. Yeah. The business was different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was realistic for me to take over at 25, kind of like he did. But um, I don't know. I don't know if I ever sat down and had that sp- one specific thought. It was probably a multitude of things and, and passions. Yeah. Ultimately, where, where we ended up, though, I will say, Greg, is uh, I'm definitely fulfilling things that I, I'm doing now and fulfilling some of the passions that I have yeah. in life. 
Uh, and that definitely was not a boardroom. Uh, but the traveling, the meeting of great people that we get to meet meet now, uh, and all the cooking we get to do, that's really more of my passion. Yeah. Yeah, it's very different when you, um, when I was eight years old until I was 18, uh, becoming an owner in the business, we were just in three states. We were a very small company. When I took it over from my dad at 18, I became CEO at 22 and did that for 36 years. And it is different growing up in a young business than taking over a business that is global. We had over 200 employees. Um, we were doing we were a in lot of volume. Like 30 plus countries. Yeah. Um, it was very I different. Mean, it, yeah, it was, uh, it, it was a well-old machine. It wasn't like uh, taking over a backyard, yeah. a little uh, podunk company back in the day. Yeah, and we are still so very proud of the Masterbuilt brand. We're yeah. very proud to be founding family of the brand. Uh, we're super excited that we're still involved as ambassadors. It is very different. Um, I do not miss the challenges of being a CEO um, in some aspects. I loved some of the challenges, but I can tell you it's a lot more fun and a lot less stressful yeah. being a brand ambassador than it is an owner and CEO of a global company. This is a great segue. I was thinking about this overnight. John or J2 and I talked about it when we were sound checking yesterday. I'm like, I got to yeah. ask you that. This is so surreal to me. This is a guy that was owner of the company, um, inarguably had its biggest spike in growth and name recognition and stuff all under John's watch. And now you're the brand ambassador for the company <laughs> you were making products for, for like 40 years. So yeah, it's a unique perspective for you. So how do you view your role now? Uh, you helped launch the auto ignite or whatever that product is called. How, how do you attack yeah. it as a influencer now versus a owner of the company? Um, it's, it is surreal, and that and there are times that I have to kind of shake my head and say, you know, I don't own this anymore, but we still are so very proud of the brand, and we, you know, the the people that are still there that we know and love, uh, we want the company to succeed, not just for the people that are still there, and not because we're you know continuing as brand ambassadors, but you know, that is and was in our blood for 50 years. Mm. And uh, I would say... Can I answer? Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to say, my, I've been waiting for this answer. The difference is when we come out with a new product and he finds something that he either doesn't <laughs> like or needs to be fixed, he can't just walk to engineering <laughs> and fix it himself or call our manufacturer and fix it himself. We actually have to take a deep breath and talk to our contact at Masterbuilt and say, Hey, we found something we'd like for you guys to look at. You yeah. get on Twitter. And that's it. Hey, at Masterbuilt, yeah. <laughs> fix this POS grill. What are you doing? service. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's I know. Hey, hey, I will, I will tell you this. We're still so in love with the brand. We're at the Daytona 500 race, mm. and we're walking through the infield. We did a Fox. Oh, this and is Friends, so. This is so. We did funny. a Fox and Friends segment uh, on that Sunday morning, and the Saturday, or probably Friday, because it rained on Saturday. We're walking through several campsites, and uh, we find a guy with a smoker. And he's like, hey, man, I'm, I've been a Masterbuilt fan forever, but my smoker's not working. What can you help me do? And he, we literally troubleshoot. I, no, no, <laughs> there's no we. He, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. He is – I got a picture. He's on his back on the ground wow. underneath the smoker. And it's a four- or five-year-old, probably yeah. a $200 smoker. Homeboy is fixing the smoker, gets it working. The guy fist pumps us. We take a picture with him. Money. And then the guy finds out, you know, my, my girlfriend was there and she was like, you do realize that he used to own that company. Like he was, <laughs> and 
he was like, what? And then he it starts to click as to who he is. And yeah. he's like, how cool is that that you like just go out of your way to help me? So yeah. that's the passion. It can't leave uh, you, right, John? I mean, for as long as you were right. in it, even so, though you're not the owner, you go buy something with a name on it, you know how to fix it. I, I would imagine it's just the essence of who you are. You're going to fix it. Yeah, that's right. And then we also we walk right across the street and find a master built electric turkey fryer and guys were actually frying a turkey while we were there. So that was cool. Um, the year prior, uh, we do the Fox and Friends segment for master built and a guy buys a gravity series and comes back while we're cooking again this year, talks to us about the grill. <laughs> that part we still love. Yeah. So it is kind of cool to be able to still have that involvement, but I don't have to worry about cash flow. I don't have to worry about inventory. I don't have to worry about HR. I don't have to worry <laughs> about the bank. I don't have to yeah. worry about the board calls. Um, so all of those things that I really did thrive and love to do. Um, we're at a different stage in life right now. I love being on a tractor. We love working our land. Um, we still use the products in our camper, at our house, at our farm, yeah. at deer camp, when we're traveling. And um, yeah, no, we're not just ambassadors because Masterville pays us to be ambassadors, but we're ambassadors because we still really do. I, I really, I really do mean this. Um, if I, I, I've said, I said this a couple of days ago to somebody. I was like, if you gave me a thousand dollars to buy one product to put on my back porch. It would be the gravity fed 800 or 1050. Yep. There, there is just, I mean, there is no singular product that is more versatile, more capable mm -hmm. to do just about every different style of cooking uh, outside of sous vide that that's always the funny comments. I'm like, it does everything. And they're like, well, does it sous vide? And I'm like, well, of course it doesn't. But yeah. you know, so, from low smoking, cold smoking to barbecuing at 350 to high temp searing at 700 to it's got a griddle insert, a pizza insert. It's still charcoal. It gives you the digital control side, you know, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, if you care for that. There is literally nothing that it won't do. Mm. And for seven, six, seven, eight hundred bucks. It, there ain't, there's just there's no competing yeah. uh, in its capabilities. And you, if you look at it objectively, it really is a complete product to do a one-stop shop on the back porch. Yeah. So this is going to be happening. We already have another segment booked, and we're going to be digging into this uh, quite yeah. a bit more here in a month or so. Uh, on the way out yeah. here, I want to ask you both uh, independent questions. Uh, JT, let me start with you. I love following you guys on social media, doing the Fox and Friends stuff. Uh, you're traveling. Although, I mean, social media is only what I can see, of course. So as yeah. I follow you and your dad on social, it seems the two of you are just having the, the time of your lives. What are the hard days like? Oh, um... Can I can I pick on my mom for a second? Pick on anybody. Uh, the hard days is is us. I'm actually more like my mom behind the scenes. So her and I probably press each other's but I would say me and my dad. Um, the hard days is writing the book and me and mom going through probably thousands and thousands of photos and her developing shingles uh, <laughs> from the pure stress <laughs> of which photo to to decide on. I mean, I mean it. We we do have tough days. I mean, when you spend that much time with your family uh, or anybody for that matter, you're going to have you know clashes. Uh, but we never let money uh, get you know be a deciding factor on you know our level of success and love and passion for what we do or each other. And um, at the end of the day, our relationship amongst each other is the most important thing. And, and we try to just have a good time. We bring energy and passion to everything we do. And, um, I, you know, the hard days is still the best day uh, doing what we do. Oh, John, as you are writing the book and you cook in New York City for big time TV shows, you go on concert tours and all these other things that you're up to. What's it like for you as a dad? I'm a dad. What's it like for you as a dad being able to share these things, these life experiences with your son? 
Um, it makes me not miss Masterbuilt as much because that's one of the challenges that we had as a family is if we sell the business, what is that going to do to John and I in our career and our family being able to travel like we always did to certain things? Because our, our other kids, Brooke and Bailey, would go to some of the Masterbuilt events that we would do as we traveled. And uh, Tanya obviously travels and even more so now. So it is super fun for me. And the, re the roles are now reversed. John used to work for me when I was the CEO and president of Masterbuilt. Now I work for him as a brand ambassador. So I'm going to put some of the, um, the challenges on him. And, and to your question for John, and I'll answer what are the tough days like? Yeah. It's probably not having an entourage of an entire yeah. company at your beck and call from mm -hmm. accounting to marketing to assistance to everything that we had at Masterbuilt. Uh, it was easier writing my first three cookbooks than this one was because we did 100% Yeah, the book every single page in this book. The John book was 100% done by me, mom, and dad. Yeah. I took 100% of the photos. Dad uh, wrote 100% of the recipes. We collabed on a lot of things together. Mom was Mama Mac was instrumental. She's called Mama Mac on yeah. Fox. Uh, was instrumental in helping us do the book. But um, I will say, quick plug on the book. We're, we're going to come back, and we, Greg, you and I talked about we'll come back in May uh, or late April, I think, and 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 talk more about this. But the book itself is just the journey uh, of really the last three or four years of what dad and I've done. And yeah, we got it right here. Um, but really 50 years of master built, right. And just all of the things that we've, all the recipes that we've done. Uh, and it probably is just a starting point. If I could be, uh, you know, maybe I jump the gun a little bit to say that we have got so much in the bank, uh, in terms of the journey that we're on now. Uh, so we're super excited about that. We, you yeah. know, looking forward to come back in April, late April, I think, to, to talk more about it. Yeah. Hey, John, how much is too much? How much is too much? You're talking about <sighs> oh. just, a, just a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll tell you something else that's, that's fun for us is uh, – we love the folks that we meet doing what we do. Uh, our buddies at Lane's Barbecue, yeah, um, they're still hanging with us. They're going to do the concert again with us this coming up here, yeah. and, and we're doing a lot with Lane's uh, Wonder Bread. Yeah, we actually just uh, signed Wonder on Bread. Wonder Bread. Wow. We're going to be ambassadors for them. Wow. Yep. And uh, they're going to be the official bread of our uh, concert series. Yep. And it's a and wonderful thing. Yeah. <laughs> so Wonderful. Yeah. We're uh, – <laughs> We're, we're definitely excited what 2024 is going to bring. The book's going to be great. We're about to actually head out on a tour for that starting in April, uh, probably kicking that off with Talladega, April 17th through the 22nd. Nice. And the book launches officially. Well, it's, it's out on pre-order, but it officially ships May 7th. And then we hit the ground running hard May 24th with the concert series. We're in New York every uh, Friday. So, yeah. Um, 2024, 20, 2024 is going to be a pretty epic year. Honestly, we're just living our best life. We're having a great time. Yeah. And you know, Greg, you know what the perfect job is, right? No. The perfect job. I've said this in every interview that I did at Masterbuild as a CEO. Um, the perfect job is the job that you love so much that you would you do it for free, but you do it so well they pay you. Yes. Agreed. That is the perfect job. And I've lived that at Masterbuilt. I loved every day, even through our hardest challenges. Yeah. And right now I can say that life is pretty good. A, a, a really good friend of mine here in town that's a very successful uh, businessman called me one day as I'm sitting on a tractor. And he said, hey, John, how you doing? I said, Mr. Blanchard, I'm sitting on a tractor at my farm <laughs> driving in the dirt. Life is pretty dead gum good. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt. Well, we're no looking doubt. forward to having you back uh, in April. We'll talk about the book. We'll talk about the concert series, uh, how you work that yep. and, and what you do each yep. and every week. Yep. 
So continued success, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Yeah, Thanks, hey, Greg. and thank you for having us back on and look forward Absolutely. to you know all that you do. So thank you. All right, guys. John and John McLemore, or John and J2, as we say. And you can find them at themacklemoreboys.com. That's the website, themacklemoreboys.com. And see, oh, look at this. All right. What did I do? What did I do? Something happened. That's fine. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an We'll go nowhere. We'll stay right here. Way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Craig Rampey. And we thank John and J2 McLemore for joining me last segment. TheMacklemoreBoys.com. You'll see them if you're watching Fox during the concert series through the summer. We're looking forward to that. And then the new book, and we'll talk about that way more in depth next time around. <coughs> Pardon me. Uh, end of April. All right, so let me see here. How do we get caught up? Because we're just pitched over the front of the hour. All right, we'll just do it like this. If you're just tuning in, don't worry. We have podcasts that will be sussed out Wednesday and Thursday. We'll tell you more about that here in just a second. And we will get the clock right and head to the second hour. You are listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show right here on the Barbecue Central Network. Stick around. We'll be right back.